Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for pretty much as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, we believe that that's the truth today, that the Lord is with us, that when we gather together to worship him, whether we're here in the room or whether we're gathered online, that, uh, that God is with us, that he meets us right where we live. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin today. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting us right here, right where we need you. God, you know that uh, we don't need you some other place where we're not. We need you right here where we are, in the middle of our uh, joys and struggles, in the middle of our questions and doubts, in the middle of our pain and hurt. God, we need you to meet us right here. And so we're thankful that you do this. We're thankful that you didn't keep your distance from us, but in your son, Jesus Christ, you came right to where we live, right, right into the middle of our mess, uh, to bring your life and healing and hope. So would you give us some of that hope today, God? Uh, would you meet us here as we sing to you, as we pray to you, as we listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, as we gather around the table of our Lord Jesus? In all that we do, God, we pray that you would meet us here and that we would connect with you. Help us, God, to have hearts and minds open to you, to be open to the possibility that the, there's a God who made us and loves us and is here with us today. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Hallelujah. Praise the Father, praise the Son. 
hope you like the old hymns. That's, that's all you're getting today. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Do you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood would you live daily his praises to sing his wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb there is power power wonder working power in the precious wider than snow it's power in the blood power in the blood sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow it's wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the land there is power power to read from uh, Book of Psalms, chapter 62, verses 5 through 8. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be moved. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Like a tree 
Planting by the water I shall not be In his love abiding I shall not be moved And in him confiding I shall not be moved Just like a tree Planted by the water I shall not be Though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. Jesus will not fail me, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Though the tempest rages, I shall not be moved. On the rock of ages, I shall not be moved like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. Amen. Amen. <laughs> From Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Pray with me, would you? Father, I do thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of glory, a God of power. That, Lord, that when we are... are when we are in you, Lord, we cannot be moved. You are our rock. You are our fortress. You, you are the steadfastness that we need in this life that just can, can just blow us around, Lord, back and forth, here and there. And yet, Father, you never move. You never change. You are so very faithful to us. And I thank you, Father, for being that God. If you weren't, Lord, I don't know where we would be. I don't know how we would manage. I don't know how we would survive were it not for your steadfastness and your unfailing love. I thank you for bringing us together this morning, for inviting us here. Lord, I thank you for what you're already doing in each of our lives, for the places where we have de depended on you, maybe desperately, like someone who hasn't had water for days. We're parched and we're weary, Lord, but you satisfy in your great mercy. And Lord, for those of us that are celebrating victories, Lord, we can't say thank you nearly enough. We, we don't have the language to express how much we love and adore and worship and thank you. Father, I, I pray that for those that this morning bring heavy burdens in here with them, whether they be physical challenges, relational challenges, work challenges. 
whatever those might be, Lord, those burdens that we just can't really tell anybody else about, but you know. You know better than even we do what those, what those um, burdens are, what those needs are, where we need you to work in a mighty way, Lord. You know way better than we do. And I ask, Father, that you would do a good work. Continue working in each of these places and each of the lives that, that need your touch, Father. Be with us in this service. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings us your word. I know that you've given him a good word this morning because it's coming from you. And I look forward to hearing it. And Lord, may we each open our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say. Maybe we, may we be willing to really hear even the hard things from you, Father, if that's what you have for us today. We give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory, all the blessing and honor that we can possibly give. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. And now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Please take a few moments as you're comfortable and pass the peace amongst yourselves. I know I've said this before, but uh, I continue to be glad that you're a church that enjoys each other and, uh, and welcomes folks who are new warmly. Oh, that's, this is one of those moments where we get to experience that and a little greeting each other. Uh, hopefully all of you got one of these little uh, bulletin handout things when you came in. It lets you know what's going on around here and has some notes for this morning's message. If not, I see some more back on the table back there. You can grab one if you need to. Um, uh, if we would love to connect with you, especially those of you watching online, uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out a little digital connect card. Just let us know who you are and that you're with us and uh, uh, how we can pray for you, thank God with you, that sort of thing. Or if we have questions that we could ans answer for you, uh, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, those of you in the room, obviously you can just grab one of those little green cards back there uh, next to the offering box and fill it out and drop it in the box. And uh, that way we can get back to you this week and be praying for you this week. I always appreciate getting to pray for you. Uh, sometimes you tell me what's going on when we bump into each other on a Sunday morning. Sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes you don't have time to go into it on a Sunday. And um, so drop me a note and say, hey, can we talk? Or, hey, can you be praying about this? And I would love to connect with you this week. And, uh, and if you're giving, obviously you can drop it in that box as well. Or you can give online. Uh, speaking of giving, a couple things uh, on the back that you can give to. One is the Habitat Fund. Uh, we are building a house with Habitat for Humanity again this year. And uh, so when you go online to give, you can hit the little drop down and hit Habitat and give to the Habitat Fund. We've got somebody who's willing to match up to $15,000 of donations if we give that much. So uh, it'd be great to be able to get all of that. And then whatever we give after that, uh, we'll all get doubled again by Thrivent. Uh, they're partnering with Habitat on this build. And so whatever we give to Habitat to build this house would get multiplied like times four. So if you give 10 bucks, that's going to turn into $40 toward that house. So I uh, would love to have you participate in that. And October 29th is the first day that we're going to have a build day there. And uh, so if you're interested in that, let us know. And we'll, um, oh, I think last year we put up a little like a online sign-up thing, didn't we? Yeah? Okay, cool. Sam's going to set one of those up. Uh, Sam Fisher uh, is involved with Habitat, and she'll, she'll set one of those up for us. We'll have that link to you next week. But, uh, but now, if you know already, like, yeah, I want to be there October 29th to help frame the house and put up some of those walls and all of that, um, you can let us know that, and we'll make sure that you get on the list. Uh, at the very least, you can mark your calendars now. So Saturday, October 29th, uh, right before you go trick-or-treating, you, uh, you can help build a house. So. And then there is something in there. I have tried not to 
talk about this much. Uh, I am running uh, the Chicago Marathon with World Vision. It's two weeks from today. So if you want to donate for clean water and support my marathon run, you can do that. There's a link on the back there, or there's a um, little QR code thing you can scan. Uh, if you're watching online, sorry, you can, uh, you can find our church Facebook page or find me online and, and uh, go to teamworldvision.org and search for Rich Schmidt and you'll, you'll find me in there and, uh, and you can donate that way. It's just like the 6K for water that we do every spring, early summer. You know, where all the money goes to clean water. So we as a church are used to this. In, back in 2015, 16, 17, we had some folks from our church that ran the marathon, including me. Uh, Stacy ran it in, in 2015, and, uh, and a couple of others did. We've had some other folks since then that have, that have run the marathon with World Vision. And at some point, World Vision said, you know what? Not everyone's going to get out and run a marathon. Uh, we could do something shorter that more people could participate in, and that's when they came up with the 6K, and then it went global, and they've got it all over the world. And um, so... Most of us, all of us, could participate in the 6K this coming May. Uh, but if you want to donate and support this, uh, my run in a couple of weeks, uh, you, can, you can do that. So um, my goal is to raise $10,000. I'm just over, I'm like halfway to six right now. I'm like at 5,000 something, uh, getting close to 6,000. So I've only got a couple of weeks to raise the, the remaining bits. So if you want to help me do that, uh, you can. Um, I won't think any less of you if you don't, just so you know. So. Because many of you already uh, support World Vision uh, through the 6K, and that's a good thing. So this morning's message is, I'm, I'm wearing the, the World Vision shirt and everything because this morning's message is about running. Um, I think the last time I ran the marathon back in 2017, after the marathon, I talked about it a little bit and some of the images in Scripture that have to do with running. And uh, this year I thought, you know what, there's other stuff going on after the marathon. I'll talk about it beforehand, before I'm tired and exhausted and can't move. So... Um, yeah, there's a lot in Scripture about this, this, that uses this image of running and endurance and what's needed for that that is helpful for us as Christians. And so it makes it really easy for someone who's been training for months to get ready for this marathon to look at this and say, well, yeah, that's, that's how it works. So I know not all of us are runners. How, how many of you are runners in some way? You do some running? A uh, couple of you? A few of you? Yeah, all right, cool. If you want to run the marathon next year, talk to me. We can maybe get you set up for that. Uh, <clears throat> But uh, yeah, most of us are not runners, and I, I know that. Uh, I'm not a big runner if I'm not doing something like this. Uh, I have people that think I'm a runner because I do this, but no, this is just something that I, you know, it's the, the motivation of raising the money for clean water and changing kids' lives is what gets me out of bed or gets me on the road and gets me doing all the running and doing the Chicago Marathon. Plus, the marathon's just kind of fun. If you've never done the Chicago Marathon, it's, it's kind of a blast, but... Uh, while you also almost die. It's a blast and you almost die at the same time, but it's, it's, it's fun. Um, but most of us aren't runners, you know, and most of the folks that run the marathon with Team World Vision aren't runners or weren't runners before they signed up for the thing. Um, we're kind of the back of the pack crew, most of us. You know, none of us are winning that race uh, two weeks from now. You know, you're not, if you watch the marathon and the people coming in at the end and like who's winning, they will not be wearing a, a Team World Vision jersey, okay? Uh, they, they don't televise most of the Team World Vision folks because we're like they've moved on to other things by then. Um, we're we're much later fin crossing the finish line, um, but we do we do finish we do cross the line, and um, and what's needed to complete a race of 26.2 miles? What's needed for any of us to make it all the way to our finish line in life is this thing called endurance or perseverance. We, we all face difficulties. Life is not just a fun slide all the way down that we just get to coast all the way from birth to death, right? Uh, there are challenges. There are hurdles. There are things that we have to overcome. There are plenty of moments in all of our lives where we face difficulties that make us want to quit. 
right? Where it make us want to just say, you know what, maybe this isn't worth it. Um, especially if you're trying to live as a Christian, there, there are all kinds of things, that, moments that make you want to say, you know what, I feel like I'm just pushing against you know, the current here, you know? Like everyone else is going that way and I'm trying to go this way, you know? Everyone around me is saying it's okay to be a little selfish. It's okay to, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to push against that, trying to be selfless. I'm trying to be generous and everyone's saying, oh, what are you giving to that for? You know, those, those people can take care of themselves and, and here I am feeling a responsibility and a call to be generous to, you know, or everyone else is picking on that kid and, and I feel a need to step in and to say, hey, that's not cool. We shouldn't do that. And, and that's going against that flow and and there are all kinds of those moments that they require endurance, they require perseverance, require courage. And it's all those moments are a whole lot easier for us to just say, ah, forget it, and just let the current carry us downstream. You know, just, just, just give up, just stop. Uh, the Bible says uh, we, we just can't do that. <laughs> if we're, if we're going to follow Jesus, then, uh, then we can't give up. We've got to endure, we've got to persevere. Uh, the letter of the Hebrews uses this image several times, and uh, the Apostle Paul in several of his letters, and, and I've got a couple uh, things here from James and something from John, and we're going to pull from all over the New Testament today looking at this. It's an image that, uh, that is especially useful for us. So in, uh, in his letter to the Hebrews, uh, they write in chapter 12, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and he's referring back to the previous chapter where he's just talked through the Old Testament and all these characters, these people who trusted God and, uh, and persevered. And now he's saying they're, they're all cheering for us now as we run our race. Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Right there at the end, that's kind of the purpose of this, right? Because we don't want to grow weary and lose heart. We, we do get tired, you know? And he's saying, so, so we don't lose heart. So when we get tired, when we feel like giving up, we don't. So we keep focused on Jesus, so we can keep running this race that's been marked out for us. I don't, I don't think any of us want to give up halfway. I don't think any of us want to miss out on the full experience of living life with Jesus and crossing that finish line one day and getting that, that, that crown of life, that joy that's in front of us. Um, that's what um, James, uh, well, no, I guess we're going to get to the crown of life stuff a little. No, don't. James mentioned it here. James chapter 1. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, which sounds kind of messed up, right? You're facing trials, and he's saying, hey, this is a joy, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's not that you enjoy it, it's that you know this is producing good results. When your faith is tested, it's producing perseverance. He says, let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. A few verses later, he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So this crown of life idea, I don't know what you think of. Uh, sometimes when we think of crowns, we think of like the old medieval, like, you know, big, heavy, golden crown or something. But that's, or, the, or the, you know, Queen of England fancy crown, you know, that you might have seen on TV recently. Uh, but they're talking about... Like, basically, it's like the finisher's medal. Like, when you win the race, they would place this crown of laurel leaves on their heads. In the Greek world, Roman world, maybe you've seen the statues, you know, where they've got, like, this little 
like, why do they have leaves in their hair? That's the, the crown of, of leaves. That's the victor's crown. And he's saying that's what's waiting for us, a crown of life. Our, our medal, our crown, our, our reward is this life that has been promised to us if we persevere under trial. And if we let perseverance finish that work. Um, so four things that help us to run with endurance, run with perseverance. And that first one really is, I, I want to jump right into it, because training well. And that really is what we're just talking about with letting perseverance finish its work. Uh, when you persevere, it, it builds something in you, right? Uh, I think that's, that's what he said, right? The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And we have to let that finish its work so we may be mature and complete, not liking anything. We want to train well so that when the, the challenge comes, we're, we're ready. We're not lacking anything that we need. We've, we've built the muscles. We've built the skills to handle whatever it is that we have to face. Uh, God generally in our lives doesn't just slam us into some huge insurmountable challenge right up front. You know, he, he builds us up to that. It's kind of how life works, right? You don't expect any, any little babies to be running the marathon, right? Because babies are just learning how to roll and crawl and get themselves, pull themselves up on things. And eventually they can kind of toddle, you know, a little bit. And, and then the toddlers can really kind of stand and, and run. And that's when it really gets fun as parents, right? When they're running and you have to keep up with them. And, and you know, our boys now are six and a half and they're doing this uh, BMX racing thing up in Portage at the uh, Imagination Glen thing. You know, they're loving it, you know? They couldn't do that when they were two and three, right? They didn't have the, the muscles for it. They didn't have the coordination for it. Um, I couldn't run a marathon when I was a little kid, right? Uh, I can barely do it now, but, um, <clears throat> but, you know, we have to build up to these things. It's how we build muscles, how we grow. It's how we mature as human beings, right? Um, I know I've, I've heard parents, we have twins, so we didn't get to experience this uh, exactly, but I've heard folks talk about people with multiple children, that like the first child often will walk sooner than the second child or third child because the, the, the later children just get carried more, apparently, and like the older kids will sometimes carry their baby brother around and, and get things for their baby brother, and so the, the baby doesn't have to like get up and go get things because someone's getting, there's like an older sibling that's helping them and getting things for them. I don't know if that really works. Some of you parents who have experienced that can say if that's true or not. Uh, but it's the, the needing to get up and go that causes us to build those muscles, causes us to be able to, to go and do it. Many of you guys have experienced this in your own lives. You've trained for things, you know, whether it's training musically to be able to play a guitar like Scott plays it, you know, and, and uh, I'm guessing the first time you picked up a guitar, you couldn't have done what you did this morning, right? And, uh, you know, the first time I put running shoes on and went out to try to run, I couldn't run 26.2 miles, you know? Uh, I don't know if I ran at all before I was involved with sports like in school and, uh, well, I guess I do remember in elementary school when we were out for, for uh, recess that uh, the school I went to, for whatever reason, I don't know why they did this, but they said, that I think they want to encourage physical activity. And so some of us would like kind of run laps around this, this parking lot out there. And they said, hey, as long as you're still running, you can stay out. And when you're done, you have to come in. I said, man, there were a couple of us. We ran laps for a long time before we <laughs> finally had to come back in. Um, and then when I was in eighth grade, we moved to Portage, Indiana. My dad was a pastor at the church up there and uh, went to Portage Christian School. And Phil over here was just... Uh, joining the staff at PCS as a coach, and uh, evidently it was my soccer coach. It's so long ago, I was like, there was a coach there, but anyway, uh, it was Phil, was my coach, and one of the things that we did was we would go run the popcorn panic here in Valparaiso 
And the, the five-mile run, they didn't have the 5K version of it at the time. So the five-mile run, the soccer team would kind of run this together as part of our kind of training and something that we had to do to get us ready. And, and, um, and so my dad likes to tell the story of how uh, when I was, so I was a middle schooler, or it might have been a, I think, I'm trying to remember when we moved. I think we moved after that year. So it must have been my freshman year maybe that, um, where the soccer team's getting ready to run the popcorn panic, the five-mile run. And, and I had asked my dad to run it with me. He said, oh, yeah, sure, sure, no problem. And, uh, and then as it got closer, he realized, like, hey, wait a minute. I had to make sure I can run five miles. You know? <laughs> I haven't run in, in a long time since high school or something. So, uh, so he got out, and he ran a block and was done, you know, and, uh, and you know, turn, walked a block. And I think maybe he turned around and ran a block or whatever. The next day, he ran two blocks. The next day, he ran three blocks and just had to build himself up to. And then my dad has run, like, I don't, how many dozens of marathons? How many marathons have you run in your life? 47? Okay, all right. 47 marathons eventually. Um, and, uh, but, you know, had to start somewhere. And that's where we all start somewhere. And, and you, have to, you have to build up to that. I've been running this year since I haven't run the marathon since 2017. It's not like I kept that up, you know, since then. Uh, you know, back in May or June, I had to start running again. And, and there's like an 18-week training plan that World Vision gives you to, to get from not running at all to being able to complete 26.2 miles. And the, the races, what, what do they say? The race is won before the race, or the battle is won before the battle. I mean, it's that preparation, it's that training that enables you to endure and to make it farther and farther, to do more and more. And so when we trust God in the little things, it's like training for the, the bigger things that then we can trust God in. You know, when we, when we trust God with, with something that seems small or insignificant to us, you know, and, and we might think like, oh, I'm not doing anything big or important for God okay, maybe you're not ready to do anything big or important for God yet. Maybe you just need to do some little things for God. Maybe you just need to, you know, love that neighbor in some small way. And as you overcome that fear of, you know, talking to that neighbor, or as you overcome that hesitancy about, you know, giving that money or whatever it might be, you know, that, that gets you a little bit stronger, a little bit better prepared for that next moment. Uh, and then as your faith gets tested, as somebody at school or somebody at work or someone in the neighborhood challenges you in some way and, uh, and you have to decide, man, am I going to stay true to my convictions or am I going to give in to this temptation? Um, when your faith is tested, as you trust Jesus through that, as you pass that test, it, it builds your endurance, it, that perseverance. It produces perseverance, which helps you to become mature and complete, not lacking anything which then leads to that crown of life uh, because we persevere under trial. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about training well in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, everyone who competes in the games, and they were familiar with the games, you know, kind of like the Olympic games type of stuff, you know, said everyone who competes in these athletic competitions goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. You know, it's made of leaves. They're going to wither. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running, just running aimlessly. I don't I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's just saying, like, I take this seriously, right? I don't just kind of wander around. No, I have a, I have a focus. I have a goal. I'm, I'm training. I'm, I'm disciplining myself so that I can be the person God's called me to be. I'll say no to the smaller temptations so that when there's a bigger one, I can say no to that one too. I'll say yes to the small opportunities to do good and to love my neighbor so that when there's a more challenging opportunity, I'll be ready to say yes. I train well. And there's probably all kinds of things could fall under this, this training well idea, the, uh, learning how to you know, wear the right 
clothes or have the right equipment or use whatever. You know, like my boys just yesterday, we had them out uh, getting a little coaching on how to, how to handle their bikes on the track that goes up and down, and how to, what do they call it, pumping or whatever, you know, with the bikes. And uh, there's all kinds of skills they're going to have to learn along the way. And uh, when I think of running long distances, there's all the nutrition stuff. You have to think about what you're putting in your body when you're doing any kind of athletic thing. I remember back in college when I was playing soccer, like certain things were just off limits for us. You know, when we were doing our two-a-day training stuff, it was like, nope, you can't drink those soft drinks. You can't be eating that stuff because you got to be careful what fuel you're putting in the tank so, <laughs> so, the, so the body can run so that we can develop, so you can, so you can be who you need to be. And we got to think, what am I putting in my mind? What, am I, what kinds of things am I... Am I thinking about what, what, what sorts of entertainments, what sorts of, you know, am I, am I getting scripture into my mind, into my heart? Um, what am I doing? How am I training so that I'll be ready, so I won't get disqualified, so that when the challenge comes, I don't veer off course or give up early, so that I can make it all the way to the finish line. If we train well, if we, if we develop those little habits in our daily lives, that, that helps us to be better prepared then for the, for the, for the race, for the challenge when it comes. Helps us to endure. Because the reality is you can't just make yourself do it. You know, it's not like, it's not just a matter of will. Right? Now, will is important. Your, your determination is important. Your focus is important. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's not just that. You know, like back in May, I couldn't have just gone out and run 26.2 miles. Right? Um, we'll find out in two weeks if I can run 26.2 miles. I ran 20 miles a couple of weeks ago. That's the longest training run you do when you're preparing for a marathon, typically is a 20-mile run. And I made it those 20 miles. Had to stop every five miles for a drink and some nutrition and, and then get back out and run five more miles. That's, that's part of running a long distance. Uh, but I couldn't have back in May just said, yep, I'm just going to run 20 miles. My body wouldn't have been able to do it, no matter how much my head or my heart wanted to. But part of training is kind of building yourself up, building up your endurance. And that's what we do each and every day. We have an opportunity to build a little more strength, a little more faith, a little more ability to trust God, to be ready for whatever the next challenge might be. If we do that well, then we never do get overwhelmed. We, we face enormous challenges sometimes. Some of you are facing enormous challenges in your life. And I get a chance to see some of you just handle that so beautifully. To, to trust God through it and to be able to say in the midst of uh, horrible challenges, yeah, but you know what? God is with us. We're trusting him. And we know that no matter what, he's going to be with us. And uh, got folks in our church facing like, you know, stuff that's going to kill them someday, medical issues, health issues, and able to say, yeah, but you know what? I'm trusting God and he's with me every day. And just have that confidence and that peace because they've built that up over a lifetime, Right? Others of us, you know, sometimes you face something and it does overwhelm you. And it's because, frankly, not been kind of putting in the work each and every day. Not been listening to God's word. Not been reaching out to him for help in the little things. So that when the big things come, you, you've got that confidence. You've got that endurance built up. Now, it doesn't mean you just give up and it's too late. And, oh, man, I didn't do it. And now here I am in the challenge and I'm failing it. Okay. All right. Face the reality of that. Get whatever help you can. Muddle through it. And then... Let's trust God for the next thing and, and let God build up your endurance for the next thing. Every moment is, an, is another moment of, of training for something else. Every moment is an opportunity to trust God, to get help from others, to, to do this well. Uh, which kind of leads to that second thing about dropping baggage. Remember back in, the, in that passage from Hebrews 12 where he said, uh, um, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. 
So there's stuff that we, that we need to get rid of. There's baggage we might be carrying that if you're going to run this race, you just can't be hanging on to that stuff. You know, I am not going to run the race dressed like this, right? I've got the running shoes on. I've got the race shirt on. I'm not going to be wearing this. I'm not going to be wearing these jeans, right, when I run that marathon. Uh, I'm going to be taking that off. In fact, I am going to take this shirt off. Um, sheesh. All right. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go. No, sorry. I, just, I do have running, I have running shorts on under here. I thought about taking it off, and Stacy told me ahead of time, like, there's too many things that could go wrong. It'll be on the Internet. You know, you understand this is. Okay. All right. I'll leave the jeans. Okay. We gotta, there's stuff that we might need to get rid of if we're going to run a race, right? I mean, if you see people who are running the marathon, if you do watch any of that or grab it on YouTube or whatever, uh, the people who win that thing, man, they're wearing almost nothing. You know, they got like, you know, tank top and some really short shorts and really super light shoes, and that's about it. You know, and they're moving. They got no extra weight that they're carrying. Now, all of us further back, you know, we've got like the little belts with our, you know, you know nutrition stuffed in them, and some people are wearing like water stuff and carrying bottled water and all these kind of things. And, and uh, yeah, the people who win the race don't do all that. And, uh, and you might see some people that are just dressed ridiculously, you know, tutus or costumes, all the just the goofy stuff. These are people who, they can do it, right? <laughs> right? They've built up the ability to do that. But in the race of life, uh, we, we need to, he says, there's some stuff we need to get rid of, some things that hinder us, sin that tangles us up, and we need to drop it. We need to get rid of it. Or it's just going gonna to tangle us up. It's going to trip us up. You know, you don't want to be running a race with, like, untied shoes, right? Or you're going you're gonna to step on that. You're going to trip. You're going to go down. It's going to be bad. There are things that can tangle you up in life that will prevent you from running the race God's marked out for you, prevent you from living uh, a life that you feel good about, where you're living a life that honors God and that, where you're loving God with all that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself, a life you can be proud of, a, a, leaving a legacy that you'll be happy someday, that people will be talking about you at your funeral, you know, all that stuff that... Uh, you don't want to get tripped up, right? You want to be able to run well. So there are things we need to let go of, especially sins, things that are, that are negative, things that are holding us back. Uh, and 1 John 1, 9 just says, look, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He said, we don't need to carry that stuff around anymore. We don't need to carry around guilt and shame about past mistakes, things we've done wrong, things that we continue to let define us and shape our view of ourselves. You know, I'm just a failure because I failed back in high school or 10 years or 20 years. Sometimes we let things that happen a long time ago continue to, to tell us who we are. And God's like, hey, come on, let's be done with that. Yeah, you messed up. Let me forgive you so you can get up and, and move on. Let's, let's, do this, let's do this right. Let's quit carrying around that guilt, carrying around that shame. And that might take some help. You might need to talk to a therapist. You might need to talk to a support group. You might need to get some, talk to a pastor. You might need to get some people around you who can help you to begin to let go of some of those things, those things that were done to you, those things that you did, those things that you have let uh, slow you down for a long, long time. Now, I'm going to be taking some stuff with me to Chicago, but I'm not going to be carrying it through the race. Right? I'm going to have a change of clothes, I'm going to have a towel, I'm going to have a big old thing of water, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff with me and different shoes to put on afterwards, and you put it in a bag and you leave it at the gear check beforehand. All right? You check that bag, and then you run the race, and then later you can come back and you get, you know, you don't see people running the race with a big old plastic bag full of their changes clothes and all that stuff. You know, that's just silly. And we must look equally silly to God if we, when he sees us trying to make it through life still holding on to guilt or shame or hanging on to some hang-ups or habits that, that he's like, man, I could let you, I could set you free of that, you know, I could, I could forgive you of that. You could just be, you could, you could live a lot lighter, a lot freer if you would just whew, 
Let me, let me take that off your shoulders. That's what Jesus did for us. We looked at this verse last week from Hebrews chapter 4. Where he says, therefore, since we have this great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. There's that enduring. You know, we've got to hang on to this thing, this faith, this trust in God. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So he doesn't look at us when we are tempted, whether we fall to that temptation or whether we're coming to him early for, for the grace and strength to say no to that temptation. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, come on. You moron, what are you doing? No, he looks at us and he says, oh, I know. I know that's hard. Oh, I was there. Yeah, let me help you. Let me help you through this. Let me help you get up and, and get forgiven and, and keep going. Or let me, let me give you the grace and strength to avoid this and go to that temptation so you can keep going. He can empathize. He's faced the same things we face. But, and he has conquered them. He didn't sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we need God's mercy because we failed. When we need his grace so that we won't, his, his like extra God strength, you know, his grace to, to carry us through so we can approach him with confidence because he loves us because of Jesus so we can get that help in our time of need. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Enduring temptation doesn't mean sitting there and just facing it constantly. Enduring it might mean like finding a way out, finding a way away from that temptation, getting it so it's not right in front of you all the time. You know, it provides somebody else... I know some of you deal with addictions and, and issues that uh, you've got people around you that are wanting to pull you back into that stuff. And, uh, and he's saying, look, it might be that God's going to provide some different people so you can avoid those folks and, and get somebody else. You know, somebody else can give you that ride to work or someone else can, can encourage you and, and uh, somebody else you can watch football with who's not going to be encouraging you to drink way too many of those beers or whatever it might be, right? He says, God is, God is faithful. Uh, he will help you to endure by providing a way out, right? A way away from that temptation so you don't have to, you might not have to just face it every single day. Sometimes we feel like, you know what? The thing I'm facing, no one else has ever had to deal with this. And he's encouraging to say, no, no, it's common. The stuff we face is common stuff. Other people have faced it too. And you know what? God has helped some other folks through what you are facing. Maybe you need to find someone who's successfully on the other side of that. Who you can talk to, who you can learn from, who can help you to know how do I how do I navigate this? How do I what what was your way out? What was your way around that temptation? You can learn from them, be encouraged by them, which leads right into that third one. Uh, you know, we talk about training well and, and dropping the baggage and going together is the third one. The, the Team World Vision people have really picked up on that. Uh, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go uh, fast, go alone; if you want to go far, go together. Um, and so they they go together. Uh, they do training runs all season long. Um, they, the day of the marathon, we're, we're going to be there. There's going to be a whole, we're going to meet them in there. They've got their own tent uh, set up ahead of time. We go, we get encouraged, we get pumped up, we get reminded why we're doing this thing in the first place. And the whole race course, there will be people cheering from just Chicago and from wherever. Uh, but then there will be all these pockets of orange along the sidelines, World Vision folks who specifically are looking for the World Vision people to cheer them on. And uh, it's an encouraging thing to be a part of. 
we are not in this life alone. None of us are. Uh, God has given us people, you know, siblings, brothers and sisters. Uh, if you're trusting Jesus, you've been adopted into a family, a family of God that spans the whole world. And uh, you've got people right here in this local church who care about you and be happy to come alongside you and encourage you, who can help us to, we all, we all need this, to, to help us from, from going off track, from giving into those temptations. Uh, earlier in his letter to the Hebrews, uh, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. <laughs> if we keep on running, if we make it all the way to the finish line, if we hang on to this faith. He said the only way that happens is if we encourage each other. If we have people around us who can help us to not be deceived by sin. You know, sin will try to, to trick us into thinking, eh, that's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just a small sin. You know, I, I don't really need to deal with that in my life. I can just, I can just kind of let that one slide. I'll, I'll, you know, be faithful to Jesus in all these ways, but I'll have this little, little thing over here on the side. And man, it's deceitful. You know, it, sin wants to, to trick us into thinking that's no big deal. And instead, that's one of those things that, one of those sins that can entangle us and keep us from, from completing the race well. And if we have people around us encouraging us, people we can learn from, they can, they can help us to see the truth. They can help us to avoid being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. They can help us to keep on running that race. That's why just a couple chapters later, he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Some of the day, the day of the Lord, this day when, when God's going to come, the, the finish line for all of us, right? He says, as we see the finish line approaching, let's all the more, let's encourage each other. Let's make sure that nobody gives up. Let's make sure that we're all making it to the finish line. Let's spur each other on to, to love and to, and to good deeds, to doing what's right. That's why Christians get together, right? That's why we get together on Sundays. That's why I encourage you to get together in some kind of a small group during the week of some sort. And maybe you've got friends from another church that you get together and encourage each other with. Maybe you uh, you know, are part of one of the groups that meets here. Uh, maybe you've got your little network. If you don't, if you need to connect with some people, let us know. We'd love to. There might be half a dozen other people sitting here. They're like, yeah, I can never make it to that Wednesday night group. But, man, I sure would like to get together with some other people. Well, let us know that. And maybe we can connect you and you can have a little encouragement group there, you know, is going to help you to, to, to not give up, to hold unswervingly to this hope, to keep running the race uh, all the way to the end. And, and the last one is, is keeping focus. Way back in Hebrews chapter 12, right, he, he said, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or some other translation. I grew up with one that said the author and finisher of our faith. But it just means like he's the one that starts out, and he's the example of faith, of how faith begins, and he's the one that, that does it well. He's the one that gets to the finish line and shows us how to do that. Uh, in the marathon, there's all these people running along with like signs saying, like, you want to finish in four hours, kind of follow me. You want to finish in four and a half, follow me. You want to finish in three and a half, follow me. And they, they kind of divide you up so that you can know, okay, I, if I keep that guy in view, I'm going to run a, approximately this speed. These are people who've done it before, who know their pace, who know this is, this is just kind of the speed I run it. And so if you want to run in about this time, you know, you keep that person in view. 
and they, they help you to run it. And, and you know, as you're going through the course, like uh, you can see them up, up ahead in the massive runners and massive humanity. You see like, oh, they're starting to go left. We must be getting ready to turn left. And so I'm going to start to get left. Because if you don't, you run like an extra mile by the end of the thing. If you don't like kind of kind of go on the inside of every corner. And, uh, you know, oh, they're getting a little bit ahead of me. I better speed up just a little bit. Um, if you want to keep that pace, and Jesus is kind of that, that pace setter for us. He's the example for us that we can, we can learn from him. We can watch him. If we keep our eyes fixed on him, focused on him, then, then we'll make it to the end. This isn't in here, but uh, it reminds me of the story of, of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. You know, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of a storm. It was a horrible situation, and here comes Jesus walking on top of the water, which is the, they thought it was a ghost. And, and Peter says, well, that's really you, Jesus. Call me to come out and walk with you. Jesus says, sure, come on. <laughs> so Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water toward Jesus. Has this miraculous moment, you know. But then it says he, his focus shifted. He, he started to look at the wind and the waves and began to be afraid and began to sink. And he had to cry out to Jesus to save him. And he did. Jesus grabs him and, and saves him and hauls him back into the boat, right? When we, when we get focused on all our problems, on our pain, on the difficulty of it, uh, it's easy to quit. You know, the last three times I ran the marathon, the only three times I finished the marathon, 15, 16, 17, every year at like the last few miles, I had plenty of energy left and all of that, but my legs didn't want to cooperate. I was getting cramps in my legs, and I'm hoping to fix that this year so I don't have that happen because then I end up having to walk like a big chunk of the last two or three miles, and uh, it's no fun. But as I'm, as I'm running, if I'm sitting there focused on the pain, focused on the discomfort, focused on the, uh-oh, that, that toe kind of hurts. Oh, what's going to happen down there? If I, if I focus on those things, that's all I'm going to see. It's going to be real easy for me to say, maybe I should just walk for a while. Yeah, maybe I can't finish this. But if instead I kind of keep focused on where we're headed and where we're going and the experience of the whole thing, you know, then, then I'm not going to be thinking about those pains. I'm going to be thinking about where I'm going. I'm going to be thinking about the finish line, thinking about the slice of Lou Malnati's pizza they're going to have waiting for me at the Team World Vision tent after the race, you know. That's the joy set before me. Uh, we got to keep our focus on Jesus as we make our way through this life. And he's the one that shows us, here's what faith looks like. Here's what it looks like to trust your heavenly father through difficulty. He's the one that gives us the example of, of praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's arrested, before he gives his life, saying, Father, I know all things are possible for you. Please let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He, he models for us, what it means to trust in God, to follow God, no matter where it, he takes us. And he lets us see that, you know what, even if there's great difficulty, even if it leads to our death, death is not the final say. There is a resurrection on the other side of that. We keep our focus on Christ, and we'll know there is a joy set before us that makes it possible for us to endure the difficulties in the meantime. I just got to read these real quickly because we're out of time. In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I can't, I can't run looking backwards, thinking about all the regrets I've got, or, or even looking back at my past successes, and he had plenty of those. i, I got to keep focused forward on the path that Jesus has set for me, on the opportunities in front of me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win that prize. I'm going to keep on pressing. 
in his letter to the Romans, he said, uh, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. For a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And we're going to sing a song about that in just a minute as we celebrate communion. But first, I, I want to read from his letter to, to Timothy, where Paul says, look, I'm, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. All who are looking forward to that day when Christ returns and makes all things right. That day of the Lord, that finish line for all of us. I want to be able to say like he did, look, I've, I've run the race. I didn't quit halfway. I kept on running. I kept my focus on Jesus. I did it with other people around me. I dropped the baggage I needed to drop. I trained well for it. I finished the race because Jesus has, has done so much for me because of God's love. I've given myself for him. So let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Uh, God, thank you for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for modeling for us what, what running this race looks like. And Jesus, you continue to call us forward, each and every one of us. No matter how old or young we are, no matter how seasoned in the faith or new to the faith we might be, Jesus, you, you still have growth for us to accomplish. You still have work for us to do. You, you have a journey for us to complete until finally we reach that finish line, until finally we rest in your arms. But until, those, until that day comes, God, I pray you'd help us to continue to endure, to continue to trust you, to continue to do good, to love you, to love our neighbors. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to, to follow Jesus, to be a part of your work in the world, to do the work we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, to be that bridge, to be that ambassador, to help people experience your grace, to help people know that there's a God who loves them. God, that, to do that requires endurance on our part. And you are going to use the challenges of this life to grow us, to mature us, so that we can be all that you created us to be. So help us, God, to continue to trust you, to continue to say yes to you. Lord Jesus, you gave your life for us. We celebrate that in this sacrament of communion. We offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember the great sacrifice that you made on our behalf because you love us. Each one of us here, no matter who we are, what we've done, you gave your life out of love for us, Lord Jesus. And now we have the opportunity to offer you our lives, to confess to you our need of your grace, our need of your mercy, to admit we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. There is good that you had for us to do that we did not do. And there are some choices we made that, that we, can, we can only call them sin now, God. We, we recognize that was us trying to do things our own way and not your way. Thank you, God, that when we come to you admitting our sin, 
just as we read a moment ago, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You, you, you help us to drop that baggage. You help us to live free and light. You embrace us as your kids. You adopt us into your family. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this new life that you make possible for each and every one of us. Today, we celebrate this love in this sacrament of Holy Communion. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Scott's going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with this basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the, the regular little pieces of bread, and we've got the gluten-free wafers. We've got the little individual cups, too, if you want to take one of those back to your seat. Or if, um, if you don't want to join the procession, I think we have those on most of the tables. And I can hear some of you getting them now. Uh, and you can peel them back and get to the bread and get to the juice right there as well. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, there's not anyone who is, who is excluded from his table. If you're saying yes to Jesus, if today you're, you're hungry for his grace and grateful for his love, then you are invited. Let's celebrate. There was no one 
is pain to ease. Well, before he died, he faintly cried, Father, forgive them, please. How can you refuse him now? How can you him now how can you turn away from his side With tears in his eyes on the cross where he died how can you refuse Jesus now how can you refuse Jesus now how can you refuse Jesus now oh thank you Lord Jesus that out of love for us you were willing to take our sin on yourself all the way to the cross taking our death and giving us your life even while we were nailing you to that cross, you were praying for us to be forgiven. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for conquering sin and death and the devil by your death and resurrection so that we can be free, so that we can live, so that we can love you with all that we are and love our neighbors as ourselves. Fill us with the spirit of Christ today, we pray, so that we might live this kind of life here in the world, living as the body of Christ, living as your sons and daughters. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.